just always had imagined myself with a briefcase walking along in New York City being a publisher. <laughs> Hi, my name is Hal Crawford and this is the Crawford Media Podcast. A few weeks ago, I reviewed Tim Burrows' history of the last decade in Australian media. The book is called Media Unmade and it's great. One noticeable problem is how few female leaders appear. Today, I speak to one such leader, Schwartz Media CEO, Rebecca Costello. Costello has led the high-end, low-cost publisher in a steady build over the last 15 years. She offers insights aplenty here, including how to build a business based on print in the middle of a digital revolution. Since the launch of the Saturday paper in 2014, Costello and her team have carved out a healthy place in the news media ecosystem. And she now says they have reached a tipping point. And Rebecca, thanks so much for talking to me today. There's there's some pretty good news and I think you're you're feeling pretty positive today. The podcast 7am, which is one of your one of your key products, has been recognized. It has, so officially recognised for the second time, a different set of awards, you know, how many awards end up coming around for things, but the Radio Today Awards winning podcast of the year, so, yeah. Mm. It's, uh, of course, you don't make it, well, I assume you have nothing to do with making it, but I can imagine that it's actually quite intense. It's it's a pretty substantial piece of work to come out every morning. It is. It's a, you know, it was literally like adding a whole another Saturday paper kind of team when we moved into audio. I think so. There's six, so maybe seven producers or in the team working to make 15 minutes a day. So yeah, it, it's a, a big investment for us, but it has certainly been a good decision to move into this space for everything that we publish or produce. It has raised awareness of Schwartz as a media organisation and an alternative to the others. 7am breaks even on its own feet. And, you know, what it's shown us is that the type of journalism we produce translates really well into audio. And hence the reason we launched The Culture uh, a couple of months ago, our second podcast. This time last year, when COVID kind of really hit Victoria, we looked at pressing go on asking people who love 7am to support 7am, so a kind of donation model, and that is mind-blowing. So we were just speechless with the response to that, and it just continues. There's a lot of recurring monthly kind of subscriptions. From- what do we call these things? Donations? Contributions? What do you call contributions, them? Contributions. Contributions. We, we call it support 7am, but yeah. it's contributions basically. Donations sounds like you're some sort of a- <laughs> Charity, yeah. So, so obviously a lot of people have had some success with these contributions. Mm. Guardian being a case in point, how much is contribution going to play a part in the future of media? Oh, I mean, that's a big question. I think obviously around the world, philanthropy is, you know, seems to be playing uh, big and small donations, contributions, seems to be kind of a way forward for some people. It's certainly not something, I still believe that there's a model and we're, we're, we're kind of living proof of it, that if you get your model right and you look at you're always thinking about the monetization without compromising the quality and having, you know, really kind of stringent guidelines about how 
advertisers or money can interact with your content. I think, you know, we're proving that it's possible, but I think it does all come back to quality. It has to be content I think you can't get anywhere else. And I think that, you know, 7am, like, we're really focusing on 7am, but 7am, you know, when we moved into 7am, we looked at it and we thought we we have to either, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to be the first daily news podcast that Australia produces, but we certainly have to be the best. We've always been a subscription business across the board. So, you know, way back, I mean, next month is 15 years for me with Schwartz. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you about your working relationship with, with Maurice Schwartz. First of all, though, I think we should just clarify what are your big publications? What are Schwartz Media's big publications? Uh, so the, the monthly magazine, the Saturday paper, and 7am are our kind of hallmark titles, the culture, our weekly podcast was launched a little while back. And then within under the Schwartz umbrella, there's also the quarterly essay at Australian Foreign Affairs, but that sits in a separate part of the organization under Black Ink. Yep. And and Maury Schwartz is is the owner of the business, is that correct? Yes. What's the interaction like? How does Maury work? Maury, look, uh, Maury is, I love working for Maury, or with Maury, I should say. I wouldn't have been working with Maury for so long if Maury hadn't empowered me to kind of, in a, on a business sense, strategically evolve this business over the last 15 years. You know, I like to think inside I'm an entrepreneur and even though I've kind of applied all of that to Schwartz and I suppose my motivation for that has been creating a business working commercial model that supports public interest journalism. And, you know, I started my media career at Fairfax and one of the things that always bothered me even back then um, was the lack of voices and media diversity. So I know it's obviously more of an issue now than it's ever been, but even then I felt what drove me was that. And Maury has, you know, one of the things I've always respected about Maury is, you know, in the early days of Schwartz, when the monthly first started, it wasn't very easy to build a commercial model. It was really, you know, we'll kind of up against it in terms of advertising and um, awareness and all of those things. And I really respected that Maury in his whole publishing career had always produced top quality content and it always backed that no matter what that meant. So, you know, in you know, early days of my time at Schwartz or with the monthly, you know, certainly there was a handout for Maury to kind of keep things going at certain times. Thank goodness it's been more than a decade since that's ever had to happen. And I'm so, very so you, just, very just clarifying that. The, the meaning of that, that means you've been profitable for, for 10 years? More than 10 years, yep. You know, there's that misconception that Maury, I think, props up Schwartz Media, which is not the case. You know, Schwartz is fully self-sustaining. As a matter of fact, we launched the Saturday paper with no investment from Maury, purely from the success of the monthly and the kind of subscription, foundation subscription campaigns we ran. So, mm. it's so a, in, yeah. in that sense, Rebecca, would you um, uh, classify yourself as a, as a careful financial strategist and manager? Yes. <laughs> mm. Tight is the other thing. <laughs> no, I'm very co- very conservative, always conservative and I always like, it's, it's kind of how I run my own finances actually. I like 
most of our podcasts, we've been lucky enough to have such trusted relationships with our clients, some of our advertisers, that they have partnered with us to launch them. So the risk for the start of the podcast has been minimal and, you know, a huge call out and thanks to Bank Australia for kind of helping us with our move into for into podcasting by supporting and trusting us. Um, it's a, it, Yours is an interesting model for media in general, isn't it? Because what you're describing is that you you make sure that you're not overreaching when you launch new products. Absolutely. And, you know, 7am, I suppose, was the biggest risk we've ever taken. Oh, well, I suppose people would say launching a newspaper seven years ago was a bit of a risk. But, yeah, we, yeah we're, I, very, care- we're yeah. very careful. Yeah, I, I appreciated how um, counterintuitive that move was at the time. I really like that. What's your, what, what, where are you going next? Are you going to launch more? I, I can imagine there's a temptation to add product upon product. Absolutely, but only if it makes sense. So it's got to make sense in kind of the whole under our umbrella. So absolutely there are plans to launch more. So I'd say we'll be launching a, you know, surprising podcast in the new year be and you know with big aspirations probably surprising for the type of content we normally produce but it's pretty exciting mm. now i note that uh you started at fairfax in sales i believe <laughs> and uh dare i say it car classifieds wow yeah in the western suburbs of melbourne yeah yeah <laughs> is that like doing time in the salt mines it's time. Well, it was a very, you know, let's just put it this way. They were Herald Sun readers back then. That The West was definitely not a fan of the age. There was a real dislike for it. Yeah, I worked in the music industry before that and I wanted to stop working on weekends. So <laughs> I, yeah, they made me have seven interviews to get that job at the age, I remember. Crikey, um, that's like. Oh, gosh, that. yes. It was, it was funny out there. It was full on, especially as a, like a, a young woman heading out there in those days with your ruler to measure up your column centimetres for the newspaper. What? Really? Wow. Yep. I don't even understand how that works. You know, it was you used to sell your classified advertising by column centimetres. So it was, you know, showing them what a 10 by, two, 10 by 2 looked like and how their ad would stand out in the classified pages if they spent more money. So Yeah. You know what, though? I think that sort of thing is what's sorely been missing in digital media sales because it's often hard to understand what you're actually buying. What we see here is, you know, print is still a huge part of what we do and will always be, I hope. Does print still contribute the majority of your revenue? Well, advertising-wise, yes, and I suppose that's why we've got, again, a good model because a lot of the other papers have lost that revenue and you just can't make it up with digital revenue, as everyone knows. Print is still, I mean, we've we've recently switched that our, we skew digital for subscriptions for the paper and then the monthly is pretty much half and half. Advertising revenue, you know, print is still really uh, successful for us. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the fact that you sell physical objects as well as information, how, mm-hmm. how important is that? Because that Saturday paper and that monthly, they're, obviously physical pro- products. I think that's one of the key, it was crucial for us when we launched the Saturday paper that there was a physical product, something really tangible for people 
I personally, I read in print, long form. I find it luxurious. I think it's, you know, carving out that time. Our average reader spends 70 minutes reading the Saturday paper content. And that's actually whether they're reading it online or in print. But I love that experience, especially for the paper. It was a key to have that anchor. And, you know, whilst, you know, that is a huge challenge, distribution and home delivery of print, that's probably our greatest challenge. Because the really, why, why is that distribution in general? Because the market is just contracting. So you know, Australian community media announced the closure of all their print sites. We were printed because we were originally printed by Fairfax. So Fairfax sold all of that to ACM. You know, then they shut down all their print sites. Now they've just announced that they're shutting down all their distribution and home delivery. So it's finding the alternatives, and there are very few. So. That's the biggest challenge as the market contracts and newspapers and magazines disappear. Mm. Yeah, they used to call it the daily miracle, but that's uh, it's the end of the miracle. Oh, it is. I mean, there's some solutions out there, but it is, it's, yeah, it's challenging for sure because home delivery, um, you know, is a big, huge part of people experience and enjoying the, you know, a newspaper on the weekend. So you mentioned that you started with your ruler going around <laughs> selling car ads. What, what, what were your career plans? I just always had imagined myself with a briefcase walking along in New York City being a publisher. <laughs> it, I'd right. always imagined myself that way. And so after I worked in the music industry for a while, just was sick of working on weekends and seeing this, having to see the same band all the time that I thought this was a good kind of avenue um, to get into a kind of normal work schedule, if you like, and I just loved it. I think that what what got me into it was in the days I started at Fairfax, we're at 450 Spencer Street in Melbourne and the printing presses were underneath the office and the thrill of seeing them operate was, I was gone. There was a reality and a sensuousness there to the to the profession that doesn't seem to exist anymore. Yeah, there was. It was a pride that came out of also producing something um, that mattered. Yeah, so I think those things are still with me. They were, they, were attra- they would have driven me with Schwartz to kind of, you know, over the years. It's it's important. There isn't, you know, without being righteous, there's this, you know, we're doing something important, you know. Yeah, that's important in work, isn't it? It is for the, me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think it is for everyone. And the boozy lunch, because, you know, you were in sales in media in the 90s. Wasn't that all the men doing that? You tell me. Pretty much. That's what I saw. I mean, maybe that's why I'm here. Maybe I wasn't doing boozy lunches on a Friday. Um, you mean why you're here, like, as in still alive or yeah, why you're- maybe, maybe. Maybe with no, no, thank goodness, um, permanent health issues. No, I, you know, I saw it all the time. You know, I'm a feminist, always have been since I was a little girl. I've kind of chosen industries that are very male dominant in my time, music, sport and uh, media. And mm. I think, you know, I've always found navigating that a thrilling challenge. And I think it's a woman, you know, certainly has to be m- very mindful in those situations and is judged much more harshly. Um, I, I would say not only have you, you know, you, you basically went to the high temple of, of yeah. Macho because you worked at the AFL. Right. That's right, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. For three long years, I worked in the publishing area, which was a licensee of the AFL based at AFL House. So I was kind of a little bit insulated, but saw some, you know, pretty full on things and experienced some pretty amazing things. You know, I've only been to one football match in the last 15 years. That's how long it's taken me to recover. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So when you say amazing things, you don't mean amazing. I don't mean positive. good amazing, no. Just mm. just the way, you know, there was just this very clear level that women could get to, the which wasn't very high. It was, uh, look, it was just icky. And, you know, the fact that there's still so many people still there from that era can't see it's probably changed that much. There was one woman on the executive, she's passed away now, Jill Lindsay, who I just had the most amazing admiration for. And I asked her one day, how did you get here? And she said, I had to give up being a woman. Did she say that with a smile on her face or was it somber? Uh, No, no, with a smile on her face because she'd done it and she was amazing. You know, she was a seriously amazing woman. So, so tell me about, uh, tell me about that because Tim Burrow's book, Media Unmade, you go through and you count how many women CEOs there are in media, of which you are one, mm-hmm. and, you know, and there's not very many at all. Mm. So is it still a male-dominated environment? Well, like so many things, yes. You know, it is. You know, I've been to a lot of, you know, dinners over the years where, you know, as we've been navigating this code where, you know, I think, Lenore Taylor and myself would be the only women sitting at the table. So, look, I'm a pretty tough cookie. It doesn't bother me. And I, as I said to you earlier, I find it a thrilling challenge. But I also, on the other side, and purely based on skill and merit, have a very female-heavy team. And I, one of my passions is, you know, supporting and nurturing and developing women in this industry because I think, you know, to give them the opportunities and then also, you know, I'm a tough operator so they understand what they're up against and they become tougher. And, you know, and I don't mean that they're not tough. Women are very tough, but I suppose they learn how to be tough in a work sense and how Mm. to not, you know, let things bother them. And we've all evolved. When, Um, When you say you're tough, does it mean you're hard to work for, like you're demanding? I look, I probably there'd be a lot of people that would say that about me. I um, like to think I'm very fair, but I do have very high expectations of myself, and that, as is, you know, just, ne- just naturally translates to others. I don't, you know, I'm, you know, as I'm getting older, um, I'm maybe mellowing, but my expectations don't change. I have very high expectations. Mm. Have you ever thumped the table? Never. What, what about yelling at people? Oh, Do you yell I, at people? Look, when I was younger, I used to probably, not probably, look, definitely, I'm, I'm not, you know, there was some times I, you know, didn't handle myself the way I should have. I would say that, you know, that are long, that's a long time ago. But I, yeah, so I've certainly behaved in ways that, you know, I, that, you know, wouldn't happen now. So you mentioned earlier, you just a passing reference to the code and yep. um, Lenore Taylor. Is is that a reference to the bargaining code, the media yes, bargaining sorry. code? Yeah, yep. Now we're gonna let, let's talk about the bargaining code. So another thing, another development of of recent days is the announcement by Facebook that Facebook News is is rolling out in Australia, and I think Schwartz is a partner on that. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And it, it is that part of a deal done under the auspices of the bargaining code? Uh, yeah, prior, yes, outside yeah. the code, but absolutely as part of as part of that. 
process. Okay. So for the record, I think you know this already, but I, I thought that the the way that the code happened was was poor. What's your opinion? Look, I think, so there's two parts to this, I suppose. My role in the code negotiations was to get the best outcome for Schwartz and I'm very happy with how it's worked out for us. Big picture and helping the industry, I think it's tokenistic in a way. I don't necessarily think it's going to be helping the people or the kind of regional media that need the help. I've been very open about that all the way, so it's not breaking news. Um, But, you know, obviously for us, we've worked with Facebook prior to the code on on an accelerator program that, you know, really did evolve my team and their thinking about digital revenue for subscriptions and really underpinned and helped us. And I think that announcement the other day of the fund that they're setting up for people who haven't done it kind of deal within the code for them is authentic and I think that I can see how it's helped us. So it sounds like you have a pretty high opinion of Facebook. Yeah, and, um, you know, we haven't worked other than the showcase, which we've been a part of with Google for, you know, we were one of the launch partners. We, you know, there have been many opportunities, I suppose, for us to apply for things and we just haven't had probably the resources to execute them. But, are, are, um, you buy, are you buying into that big picture that is often painted by people at News Corporation, but also many others, that these that Facebook and Google have come into the market and sucked all of the advertising out of it? I see how they can see it that way. But look, I, I've never felt like it was cartel behaviour. <laughs> like, so it's always been my thing. It's like, it's a bit like when I was at Fairfax and we had the classified rivers of gold and, you know, Fairfax launched my career and drive and people came around and I know it's a slightly different, but people came around like Seek and kind of took that from under them. It's a little different because of maybe they feel like their content's being used or stolen, but it's, you know, I don't have the same view, but then we don't have the same kind of model. We don't do breaking news as such like that. So we're not playing in the same field. So it's not impacting us like it impacts maybe them. Mm. So that deal that you struck with Google and Facebook, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, you've you've struck deals with both, just yeah, yeah, yes, almost, yes, yeah, almost. No, we have, T- we have T- TBA. Yeah. No, 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 we've have. struck deals with both. We've struck. Deals okay, with both. great. And are they? You said you use the term tokenistic to describe the overall scheme. Are they going to be material to your business? Those material deals. in do you mean like sustain sustain us and without them we wouldn't be sustainable or um, are, are they going to make a twenty percent difference to your profitability? Yeah, yeah, they're two different deals. Obviously, I can't go into the specifics. They're two very different deals. So one of them is going to allow us freedom to try some things that you know maybe we wouldn't be going back to me being a conservative you know, some more risky things just to test and try things that maybe we wouldn't prioritise with in terms of investment at this point. Yeah. So the direction of the company and how that might have changed with the epidemic. So COVID, what has COVID done to your business? Grown our subscription base by about 50%. (laughs) 50%. Uh, Across the board. Yeah, it was very good to us, you know, beginning of last year, you know, People 
what we saw, and I mean, you can see it in the Nielsen rankings of news webs of websites. You know, it was blatantly obvious that it, it went from being news.com as the number one site to being the ABC and the Guardian, you know, in those top positions. And I think that what it showed is when people were feeling scared and wanted trusted information, they didn't know where to go. And, you know, a lot of the feedback we had was that the kind of content that we were making in the monthly, sorry, the Saturday paper in particular, Saturday paper in 7am, that people were finding that it was taking the hysteria out of things and it was just trusted, which is what we literally, this whole company is underpinned on trust. It's, you know, it's our number one consideration in everything that we do. Mm. And, you know, I think people turned to us and then they supported us by converting to subscriptions. We were very concerned though that that would then mean that the next couple of years, you know, that they were the low-hanging fruit subscribers, you know, the ones that were kind of reading their free articles and just needed that little push. And, you know, whilst we saw a little um, dip down, you know, we are again back up and kind of, as I said earlier, subscriptions are flowing in. So so in that sense, obviously advertising disappeared Mm. like it did for everyone. I'll never forget that day, I think it was March 13, where you could just see everything unravelling. Did the advertisers call up on that day and say thanks? It was like, I mean, we and then you know, I'll be honest. I had to get to that thing where we keep talking about the pandemic. I said, can we just cut to the by the twentieth call? I think I was like, can we just cut to the tape? Let's (laughs) don't worry about it. Yeah, it's about pick up the phone. Yeah, I know you're pulling the ads. Yeah, I know what it is. Don't worry about saying sorry. Just yeah, and, and you know, we made sure that we because part of our model, you know, is that we go into partnerships with. A lot of clients, so we kind of work together on things. Um, what does that mean? What does going what, into partnership mean? What it means is that media agencies used to ignore me completely. You know, 10, 15 years ago, we'd be dead if we had relied on them for advertising revenue. So we kind of looked at going to places like cultural organisations, you know, arts companies. So that became our bread and butter. If we had waited for media agency advertising, like Schwartz would not exist, I would suggest. Those. What's your relationship like with the agencies these days? You know, it's good. It's really good. It's strong. It's much better. I mean, you know, we've put a sales director, Belle Stewart, in Sydney. We haven't had anyone based there before. We've always travelled every week up there, which, you know, up and back. We, we're a very small sales team. And then we've got a Melbourne advertising manager, Charlotte Byrne. They're doing really well. 7am is so popular and, you know, we'll call it our most, it's mainstream for us, you know, so... It's, you know, agencies that can't get enough of it. I mean, to give you an idea, 7am sold out till the end of September. If we could, we could sell it four times over. Congratulations. Yeah. What, what do you actually sell on it? A- so we have a 30 second and a 15. And, and again, when I was pricing them, you know, I looked around an average CPM on a premium podcast was $45. So I made ours 120. <laughs> really? And that's it's the same that's with our, a high CPM. Well, it's the same with our digital. Our digital is 150. 150. Hang on. Uh, is that for dig- standard digital display yeah. or is that a- Yep, standard digital display. Well, you know, the um, 100% share of voice three ad units. Three ad units on the page. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, a good CPM for a, a, a YouTube ad might be three bucks. We also are no programmatic, so you, you can only buy Got from it. us. Yeah. Because we don't have, you know, we have quality, not quantity. Well, we still have a big audience, but, you know, our average time on site is three to four minutes. You don't want programmatic either because you don't know what you're going to get in those slots. We're, and we're really particular um, about 
reader first experience because these readers are so engaged that, you know, they will tell us. It was a big decision for me to let McCafe advertise on um, 7am, but, you know, we did because McCafe, you know, they don't make the worst coffee in the world. No, that's that's actually true. Um, I would like to go from McCafe and, and any, any prejudices that people might have around Macca's and move to partisanship in the media. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's getting worse? I think the world's getting worse in that way. So I suppose it's reflecting the audience. You know, the world's dividing up into smaller bits. I think the more places like us that exist, and there's obviously versions of us around the world, the better. You know, Fairfax and news used to be so different. Yeah. Are they Are they now? I don't know. Well, you're you're implying that they're not. I would say now, now that now that Fairfax is part of Nine, and you know the amoeba yeah. has swallowed the other amoeba, things are changing naturally. They are changing. I mean, we're certainly seeing a lot of you know. There's obviously a lot of factors for our subscription growth, but you know, we do see a lot of when we ask where the people are coming from, it's more and more from Nine publications. Yeah, it's good for you, isn't it? No doubt about it. Uh, it, look, there's a couple of things that are good for us, a conservative prime minister and uh, this. <laughs> mm. So where is the growth going to come from? Where you're, you're the CEO, you're the yeah. chief growth officer. Where, where are you going to get the money from? Where are you going to get the audience from? So, you know, money-wise, obviously we've got subscriptions. As I said, we've always been a subscription business, so you've never been able to access all our content for nothing. So I think that was a a clever decision we made, you know, 12, 13 years ago was to actually not have all our content available for free. So subscriptions are robust for us. Advertising revenue, I think that there's a lot of opportunity within media agencies to grow there. And audio, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. We, you know, we had big plans for events, etc. you know, that we didn't, thank goodness, they hadn't kind of all been locked in at the last start of last year, but we see big opportunity there. Mm. And, you know, we feel like, like it seems like we've kind of come from, not, oh, we're growing really fast, but I think that we've probably hit a tipping point. People are, are really... You know, the audience that we have used to be considered niche, but I feel like the kind of journalism we produce and then the Australian public are coming closer to like a centre position. Mm. So what's next for you, Rebecca? What, 15 years and mm. some long service in the bank and <laughs> that's a long time. 15 years is a long time. A- You've achieved a lot. Are you, yep. are, you, are you staying on? What are you thinking about your future? I think about it all the time. Look, I think the thing for me is if ever I got to a point where I had no new ideas, I couldn't see what the next thing was here, and, you know, of course we've all had moments, you know, then if I wasn't enjoying it, I work pretty hard. I'm a parent of a seven-year-old. You know, I think if I wasn't enjoying it and I couldn't see opportunity and I didn't think I had more to contribute, then, yeah, I could happily say I have achieved. I'm super proud of what I've achieved. I feel like I've established a really robust organisation. But, you know, I think that's not, you know, I've, I've still got some things I want to achieve here. Who knows what that looks like. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I'm still... 
energized by the place and that is key for me and I still you know feel really proud um, of what we're doing and achieving mm. so and you may all, not be in you, you may not be in New York but have you got a little little briefcase briefcases are not in no I wouldn't carry a briefcase if you paid me but uh, yeah no look it's um I'm pretty lucky what's the toughest thing about your job the toughest thing about my job's always been the toughest thing in media is the you know the 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 let's call it the robust friction between editorial and commercial but I think that's the exciting part as well well Rebecca that has been a most excellent conversation thank you a lot for talking to me I'm a talker <laughs> no you've been I knew you would be you've been a great straight talker and given me a lot of great information thank you thanks to Kevin McLeod for this music if you don't already subscribe to the Crawford Media Newsletter, go to howcrawford.substack.com and sign up. It's free. Bye for now.